This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we're recapping the rowing program's spring season opening trip out west to the San Diego Crew Classic. Plus, softball is back from Florida, and we introduce you to a new member of the track and field coaching staff, throwing coach Danny Kalina. That's coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The softball team went 3-3 three and three on the Bobcats' trip to Florida last week, with two of the games rained out. Junior Lindsey Kim continued her terrific start to the season by going 9 for 16 at the plate and is currently hitting a gaudy 632 through the team's first eight games. Tops on the squad. And Lindsey Kim is our female Bobcat of the week. Well, Lindsay, a big week for you in Florida there. Um, you've hit safely in every game you've played in this year for the Bobcats. Uh, you're a junior now, but obviously we've had very short seasons the first two years. So what's really been clicking for you early on at the plate? Um, I think it's just having this mindset of knowing that I have confidence in myself as well as my teammates around me. I think this year especially, I've had like a really special connection with a bunch of players on the team and I know in my heart that they want me to do my best. And so I think that sort of resonates with me, like, up to bat. Just me knowing that I want to do what's best for them, and they are going to try and do what's best for me, and, like, that mutual respect there. Great. And then, um, you know, in terms of Florida, obviously it looked like the team had a lot of fun. What was the uh, day like taking over the Go Base Popcats Instagram? The softball team took it over there. Yeah, <laughs> no, that was a lot of fun. I think um, it was just really new and exciting, especially specifically for the – freshmen and the mm. sophomores because they've never been to Florida and I think they were really like they were having a lot of fun like um I just remember like them just going out into like the pool and like and going to Florida and like going to like all the fields and just really like being like wow like we're here like it was just sort of like an aha moment or like a realization like this is college softball and um you could really see that on the in- on the Instagram um, they're super active. Like, I think they're just having like a lot of fun and that also sort of made the experience. Yeah. Worthwhile. Certainly. And then, um, you know, for the team, obviously you're playing two games each day. You had one, looks like you're, it was rained out. You're, you're winning. And then I guess the storm yeah. started coming. What was that? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That was actually really crazy because we knew the day before that it was going to rain. We just didn't know how hard or like how severe the weather was going to be. And so we went to the field, and it was actually not that bad in the first, like, few innings, maybe, like, three innings. And then just all of a sudden, it just started, like, pouring, like, really hard. It was, like, raining. Like, there was no thunder, thankfully, but it was just pouring really hard to the point of, like, the field was flooding. Like, both of the um, – both sides were sort of flooding. And so it was really hard because I think we really wanted to finish that game because I think, like, after five innings, it counts as an official game. Right. And we were also doing really well, and we were winning. So I think we really wanted to have that like win under our belt, but unfortunately, due to the weather, we couldn't. Um, but I don't know. I thought it was like I thought it was a pretty good game <laughs> yeah. before it got rained out. <laughs> for, for sure, for sure. And then um, yeah. you know, we mentioned that obviously the first year I've not been to Florida. Neither mm-hmm. of the sophomores. Mm-hmm. You went, but it was yeah. a trip that got cut short, right? Yeah, it was really crazy. I think we were. We had, like, a really stellar pitcher, KP. Like, yep. we were doing really well. <laughs> and it was so sad when we had to go back early. And it was also a little bit scary because there was a lot of uncertainties. Like, right. And the team didn't really know what to expect. And I think 
it sort of ended on a poor note. And so I think, like, especially the seniors and the junior class, we really wanted to make it, like, a special and, like, cool experience aside from, like, the the years prior. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, obviously you're finally <laughs> going to have a real full softball season. I mean, how excited yeah. are you for this? <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited. I've been waiting for this since, like, my freshman year. Like, it's sort of like a special moment just because I've been playing softball my whole entire life and just being a collegiate athlete and having some of my best friends on the team. It, I think it just makes it worthwhile just um, having the support and knowing that everybody wants the best for me and I want the best for them. And I just think that, I don't know, I just have so much love for my team and especially like my two captains, Janelle and Emily. Mm-hmm. They have been like an integral part of this. They have been my sort of my rock, a person that people that I go to and also like um, – my friends, Calm and Cassidy, they've also been, like, sort of an integral part, like, a really special part, and they sort of just enabled me to be my best and do my best. Well, speaking of, you know, playing softball all your life, growing mm-hmm. up, you were, you're from Palo Alto, California, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's very sunny there, I know. <laughs> yeah. it, uh, it's a very, it's a, it's a nice area. Um, yeah. <laughs> so just growing up, like, how did you first, you know, start getting into the sport? In my hometown, there's, like, a few, like, softball fields, like, recreational softball fields close by, and so I think my dad wanted to expose me to as many sports as possible when I was younger, and I think... I just had, I don't know, like softball and I just sort of clicked. Like I just knew like making that out or making that extra play or like getting that hit, it just, there was just a sense of like, I don't know, excitement that I haven't felt with like any other sports. And so I sort of knew like from a young age that I wanted to pursue this and I I wanted to get serious about it. And also from being from California, I was fortunate enough to um, play softball year round, yeah. <laughs> not having any like inside facilities. So I think I was sort of like privileged at that, where I could just, I don't know, I could just enjoy the sun like <laughs> the whole entire year round. And it's, I don't know, it's pretty great. Yeah. And then what led you to come to Bates for college? Honestly, I think it was just when I visited um, over the summer, I just felt like a sense of like community. And like, I remember like meeting a few people and being like, wow, like this is different, but it's also, um, I don't know. It just felt like home. Like I, I, I remember telling my dad, I was like, "Oh, I knew." Like I, instantly, I wanted to come to Bates just because um, of the people I met and like sort of like the atmosphere, um, and also like the high academic levels as well as I'm able to play like at a competitive level and also to like focus on my academics. Um, I felt that it it just fit all the boxes, and I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> Speaking of academics, what are you studying here at Bates? Um, I am a biochemistry major and math minor. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. So uh, you want to be a, a scientist of some sort? or? Um, I know it's junior year, and like, <laughs> I should probably be figuring out what I want to do. <laughs> but No uh, pressure. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I am really interested in, like, research, but I'm also interested about going to, e- in, to either dental school or oh. medical school. I'm, like, haven't really figured it out. I am thinking of taking, like, the MCAT. But, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I have, like, a lot of possibilities in my mind right now <laughs> for what I want to do. You're like the second person in the last few weeks who's talked about dental school. Joanna really? Atwater on the women's tennis team is also considering that. Oh my that. gosh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's very, it's a very like weird, like, I don't know, like thing to be excited about, like teeth and like the mouth. But, <laughs> but honestly, it's like, I don't know, it's just really interesting because I had like an internship like at, back at home mm-hmm. at like a, a dental office and I don't know, it was just really exciting and really cool and I, fe- I felt like I could see myself doing that. Excellent. And then for the softball team, I saw you were playing some third base, some designated mm-hmm. player as well. Did you grow up playing a lot of third base? Has that been your position normally? or? Yeah. So um, uh, especially for, like, the West Coast and softball, it's, like, very, very competitive, especially in, like, SoCal and stuff like that. Like, that's where PGF is. 
usually you have like one position you're usually designated to like one position so like for me that was third base like mm. so i was playing third base all my life like i would go around i would like fill in a few spots here and there like second base but like it was primarily third and i think like club coaches and high school coaches really wanted to like emphasize like that one position where you can get really really good at it and so then you have like i don't know you're sort of like locked into that like sort of position um, yeah. And that's a particularly challenging position, I feel mm-hmm. like, in softball in particular, because <laughs> you're dealing with very, very different types of hitters, right? You have yeah. the slap hitters. Yeah. And then yeah. you have the righties who might just, and you're, you're so close in softball, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. from home plate, the righties might just hammer it right on the hot corner, yeah. right? So what's that like to adjust to different hitters? For softball, it's very much like a mental game. Like, you have to, like, you have to be very methodical with your choices. So um, you have to be at a certain place depending on the batter so yeah if it's a slapper you would have to like you would want to like move in or like go to the line like if she's like a slow hitter like you could probably like you could probably like stand back a little if she's fast like you can like move up if she's a power hitter you'd probably want to go back and go to the line if she like wants to pull it and so I think it's basically just about like knowing the game and like knowing about like certain batters and certain like situations on the field. This weekend, you've got your NESCAC opener, right? You're at Trinity, I believe. Yes, yeah. we are. So right in the NESCAC play, what do you think the team kind of, seems like you all really gelled well in Florida, but mm-hmm. what do you think the key is going to be to have some success here in NESCAC action? Yeah, I think um, I've talked about it with a couple of my teammates, and we're looking to beat Trinity. Uh, I think like the team is really excited, and I think we're really amped after Florida because mm. we saw like the potential. We saw like what we could do and what we could like learn from and what we could do better at. And I think um, this week in particular, we're going to have to, like, really focus on, like, uh, I guess the small things, like the small, like, because I think we have, like, a really good hitting team. And I think we have, like, solid defense. It's just about getting, like, the small things, like communication or, like, knowing, like, what to do with the ball, looking for that second play. And I don't know. I'm really excited to play Trinity because we did, like, uh, split with them last year. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we ended up, like, on a really high note. Yeah. But I just really want to see, like us improve the home opener will be not this week but next week i think yes. doubleheader against thomas college and so yes you've had some experience playing at lafayette street field but how are you excited mm-hmm. to have some real home games here what i'm most excited about is like the spectators like seeing like my uh friends like my family of course like can't come to the games but like seeing like being for them being able to stream me and like mm-hmm. see at home um i think that's what i'm most excited about just because um, I love the sport so much and I want like the people that I love and like that support me. I also want them to see me like, uh, I don't know, play. And it also gives me a boost of confidence knowing that they're here. Um, and I think it's just like really excited that like, uh, what is it? Faculty and students can like support like the athletic teams. Great. Lindsay Kim, yeah. great start to the season. Thanks so much <laughs> Thank for joining us on the much. Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Talk about escaping March in Maine. The rowing teams traveled 2,600 miles west for the San Diego Crew Classic over the weekend, where they squared off with opponents from Division I programs. The Bobcats brought three women's eights and three men's eights to the regatta. On the men's side, the first varsity eight took second in its heat and fourth out of six boats in the final, impressing against much larger schools. Senior Espen Wheeler rose at the stroke seat for the 1V, and he is our male Bobcat of the week. Well, Espen, first of all, going across the country to San Diego, take us through the general kind of experience as a whole kind of to kick off the spring season here for the rowing teams. Well, it's it's really exciting. We haven't done anything like this in a long time, as uh, our coach said on the last Bobcast. And um, it's a way to test where we are starting out um, at the yeah starting the season. And uh, we knew that um, some of our late season competition was going to be there, like Marist. So we were really pumped to uh, get to race them early on the season. And really 
see how we stack up against them. We knew they were coming off of a training trip. We had ours three weeks ago when we haven't been able to be on the water mm. for um, for a three-week period. So that has, we haven't been able to practice together other than on the ergs. And having two practice sessions on Thursday and Friday before jumping right into the racing was really exciting, to say the least. Certainly, and you, you rented boats, because you didn't take the Bates boats, so you rented boats. Is that an adjustment, or is it all the same for you? Knowing that we were renting boats had us a uh, little bit, I wouldn't say on edge, but we were um, curious as to how it would work out. But once we got there, we saw that um, we were renting Hudson's, which is the same brand that we use uh, here, and um, our coach was actually able to get us pretty much the exact same boat that uh, we rode to uh, um, a Hudson USP. And uh, that's the same boat that we rode on the Charles and the same boat that we rode at IRAs last year. Mm. So um, once we were in that boat, things uh, felt somewhat familiar. The only difference was uh, we were using a different set of oars. But once we figured out how to use those, it wasn't too much of an issue. Certainly. And then tell me a little bit about your background, I guess. Growing up in Norway, how did you first get involved with rowing? So I grew up in Norway, and I was in school there until I was about 15 until I came to the States mm-hmm. um, and I went to high school here and that's and then uh, during my sophomore year is when I picked up rowing oh okay so you didn't row at all in Norway I I did not row okay. until high school no oh interesting um, okay so I rowed for three years in high school mm-hmm. and then um, yeah I my sis, older sister of course um, was also she also picked up rowing when she came to the States um, and she had decided to row in college and I figured that was a good path for me as well. Was the situation where you saw that she had picked up rowing like I should try that also, or was it only was it, was it totally independent? Maybe for high school we had to, um, at, at these boarding schools we had to uh, pick like a fall, a winter, sure. and a spring sport. So yeah. I saw that she had picked rowing. I also uh, I, I talked to my father who had played lacrosse a bit in high school, and uh, when it came down to it, I was like, all right, I'm going to pick rowing. Um, test, see how it works, see how fun it is, and it, yeah, it worked out. Yeah, excellent. And then when you're looking at colleges, I mean, what made Bates the place for you, kind of? Well, I really don't know why I would come to a place so far north where the river stays frozen for so long to <laughs> row. But when it came down to, uh, when I was looking at um, colleges, I was a, I wanted somewhere, like a smaller college, and it came down to Bates among a few other smaller schools. And when I did my official visit, Bates just stood out as home. I, I, I felt comfortable here. And I liked, after having talked to um, some of the guys on the team, I liked their mentality. I liked their approach to rowing. So that's what, like, didn't really matter that we were going to be on the ergs for three, four, eight weeks before getting into, um, well, getting onto the water and being able to really practice. It all just seemed fun and intense, but worth it. So it's still a little cold. Are you able to get on the water yet? Um, we are not able to get on the water yet. Oh. We have some, we've been going out to the, um, going out to our boathouse for the past few weeks, checking on it, seeing, right. seeing what it looks like, but there's a little bit of ice still left. We can see that the middle stretch of the river is fully flowing, and it's got us really excited. And we were hoping that by the time we got back from San Diego, we might be able to go out there, crush a bit more ice, mm-hmm. 
and uh, put the docs in and then hopefully be able to practice this week. But it doesn't look like that is the case. Um, so I think we might be able to get out there next week Okay. at the earliest. And I believe this weekend you're back in action, though, right? You're going down to Massachusetts? Yes, we have a doubleheader this weekend, Saturday against Boston College and then Sunday against MIT Lightweights. That's always a good battle, right? I mean, these are Division One level programs. Yeah. Um, so Boston College, we had um, we started behind them on the Charles, well, for the head of the Charles mm-hmm. in the fall. Um, so we were able to measure our speed against them uh, in the fall. But the fall, of course, is no is not a really good indicator of the spring. Um, and then MIT lightweights were actually also in San Diego, so right. we got, and they were in our heat um, on Saturday, so we were able to test our speed against them. I believe you beat them, right? We did. Yeah. We um, yeah, we beat them by about four seconds, but that's only a boat length. It's not sure. a lot. So maybe they had a bad race. Maybe something went wrong. So we can't take that result for granted going into this weekend. How happy was the first varsity eight with the weekend? Because it seemed like, I mean, second in the heat, so you got to the one-level final, which must, which was obviously the goal, right? Yeah. So that was, we are very happy with yeah. the weekend. We um, played second in our heat, and we, of course, went back, looked at times. Like, we realized that, okay, we are we we're given the outside lane for the final, which is the lane with the most wind. Mm. It's the lane that's expected to lose the race. <laughs> Right. So yeah. we, like before we launched, and even the night before, we had a boat meeting and said, like, they expect us to lose. We're not supposed to be here. Let's ruin some days. Right. And that's what we did. We um, we started in the op. So San University of San Diego, who was in our, who won our heat on Saturday, started in lane one, so the opposite lane from us. Mm-hmm. And I think a halfway into the race, they were well behind us. They right. were no longer in it. Our Cox and Evan Saltman let us know they're gone. Right. We're, we're in this. We still have contact with um, the rest of the field as well. Let's walk. And that's what we did. We, uh, we walked through um, Lane 3, University of California, San Diego. Um, we were able to walk through them. And then we were about half a second off of um, Gonzaga, who yeah. we also raced in the IRAs last year. So that was a really fun matchup. And then, of course, um, the second-place crew of uh, that race was um, Marist, okay. who yeah. is um, there often our um, competition come NIRCs in the middle of May. Yeah. And it was close, though. I mean, like, you were very close to second. I mean, you got fourth, but it was really close to that all. Yeah. yeah. I think the margin between us and uh, Marist was 1.3 seconds, mm-hmm. something along those lines. But so we're very happy with the results. Of course, the race winner near us was uh, six seconds ahead, but... Well, they're the, like professionals, right? Aren't they like a, like a Dutch professional team or something? They are... Uh, <laughs> Basically. <laughs> pretty much. They're yeah. the Dutch, like... The third, the Dutch third boat, okay. essentially. Yeah, so for the whole country. I think, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that's what <laughs> I think that's what it might be. If some of my teammates might correct me on okay. that, but <laughs> those guys are good. Those guys are very good. So being able to go out there and compete against them and then be so close to them 
gets us really excited for the rest of the season. The 1v is so experienced. I mean, this is a really strong group. I mean, we saw what you did the head of Charles in the fall. I mean, take us through, like, you know, this unit as a whole kind of – because you have so many experienced rowers, right? Yeah, so we have um, six seniors in total, yeah. um, Evan Saltman, the Coxon, and then five rowers. And so us having rowed together for three, four, uh, three years given COVID – um, has really helped us. We know how to match up with each other. We know each other's like strengths and weaknesses. And um, we have the one junior, Brennan Bates, mm-hmm. who has also wrote like he's been in the first boat since he was a freshman. Yeah. So he's been like he's been in with us, and he ha- he has um, a, he has a good amount of experience too with rowing and. Uh, then with our two sophomores, Isaac Levenger and uh, Charlie Berman, those those guys also they have put in the work with us. They um, have been talking to us, figuring out what they need to do, how they can improve, and they've been they've put in the time to make themselves really phenomenal rowers. And having a very similar lineup to the fall has helped because we just. Got back in the boat. Yeah, it took like it took a couple swing rows, and uh, we were falling right back into where we were in the fall. We think we're pretty much as fast as we were at the end of the season at this point. So we are excited to see where we go from here. Yeah, and then IRAs this year. It was supposed to happen, I think, two years ago, but you know, COVID and everything. They're finally adding that D three race. Yeah, excited for that. <laughs> oh, we we're very excited for that. <laughs> yeah. So we um, yeah, it's excited. It's exciting because we've never had an opportunity to win a national championship. There hasn't been anything like that at the Division Three level. Like going going last year where we had to uh, – we didn't get to line up against Washington or um, UC Berkeley, but we saw them on the race course and we knew, like, okay, these are the people that are going to win our race. Like, that – we we were we couldn't be even clo- we wouldn't be close to them. Mm. These guys are Olympians, right? right? We can't touch them. But now, um, being at the D three level, having it's only six boats, so it's only six programs are going. Okay, and racing at this level, at least that's what I um, heard last. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's a little bit of pressure to be one of those six teams. We have to, to my knowledge, we have to win the NESCAC, sure. which will be. Tough. Um, we know Williams and Tufts are very fast this year as well. Mm. Um, and but if we can do that, so winning the NESCAC will give us an automatic bid. There's a even if we don't, there's a way of uh, there are some at large bids that sure. we might be able to get. But if we do make it, and then we're one of those six teams, it's very exciting. We um, of the It'll be nice to be able to prove some of that work that um, the, that we've been putting in all these years. Yeah, even while the river's frozen. <laughs> even, yeah, especially while the river's Especially while it's frozen, yeah. yeah. Great. Well, Espen, any other thoughts you wanted to share about the weekend? We haven't got to talk about anything? Uh, I think um, I think something that should be brought to attention is that it's not that it's not only the men's first boat that had success. Mm. The men's second and third boats, I think, should be very proud of how they did. Um, men's third boat had <laughs> had an unfortunate collision oh. at um, 
only about 250, 300 meters in where um, the stroke seat, Nick Vanning and his blade hit the bow seat of MIT lightweights Mm -hmm. and um, his blade snapped off. And they, so they were only, they were only able to row with seven people Mm -hmm. for the rest of the stretch. And Nick was, of course, he had to stay in the boat. Yeah. So they were pulling him down the course as well. And those boys stayed in the race, which was incredibly impressive. And then um, in the second boat, um, there was uh, an equipment issue about uh, about the same distance in, mm. which um, caused the boat to stop. Um, so I, I think a foot stretcher broke or something along those lines, yeah. which um, led to one of the one of the guys in the boat not being able to row um like row as well as he should and then um it led to him ca- catching a crab which was not his fault it's it's um like the conditions combined with not being able to uh get your blade out of the water will lead to a will lead to a crab no avoiding that and they still like were able to recover and they were like still they were only um, a few seats of open down from second place, and um, I think barely more than that down from first place. So both boats had ex- issues. Had issues. Okay. But stayed in their races. Yeah. They both performed extremely well given the circumstances, right. and it makes me really excited to see what they can produce this weekend. Yeah. Sure. Well, that poor roar who. Had his blade break. He just had to sit in the boat the whole time and not do anything, kind of. Yeah. So <laughs> we um, we um, weren't close enough to the uh, the viewing area where the announcement's going on. Mm-hmm. So we didn't know what had happened. Right. So we um, we heard that the uh, the three of you boys were coming down. So we run down to the beach to cheer them on, and then we see that the stroke seat isn't rowing. <laughs> right. And we were all really confused. And then um, one of the photographers on shore was like, yeah, look at this. He showed us his camera and said, like, yeah, his blade's broken. <laughs> and we were all really confused. And when and once they came in, we heard what had happened. And it, I mean, we were all we were all laughing because it's I've never seen personally. I've never seen a blade break. Those there's right. those things are really strong. Yeah, really well made. And these rentals, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. The um, they cl- just clashed and um, and it happened. And he had to stay in the boat. And it, it sucks for him because he's a junior and that was his first race because of COVID right. and not being like, not being able to be in a boat last year as well. So. I I was talking to him afterwards. I know he was really excited to row his first race. It's terrible to have that happen, but I I've tried to tell him that he should be really excited for his uh his next races this weekend and yep. like they're they're going to do very well. Awesome. Well, Espen, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you. While the men's 1V is very experienced, the women's 1V has a new look this year, having graduated a number of talented seniors. The four-time defending NCAA Division III champion Bobcats are looking to make it five in a row this season, and racing Division I opponents was a good way to start. Senior captain Lily Kinder recaps the trip to San Diego and looks ahead to the rest of the season. 
Well, Lily, first of all, tell me what's it like being one of the captains this year as a senior? I, I feel like uh, a minute ago you were a first year just getting used to college rowing. Now you're a captain. Yeah, definitely. It's such an honor, first of all, because this team is so amazing and there's been so many incredible people to look up to in the past as captains and such an amazing team this year that I feel really honored to be a captain. Um, but as you said, it's it was such an adjustment, especially this fall, to be thinking, oh, last time we were rowing officially without COVID anyway, um, I was a first year, which is crazy. Um, but definitely this spring, it started to really hit that it is senior year, last few weeks left to go, and um, extremely excited. And this team is incredible. So there's no one else I'd rather be with for this last bit. And to be a captain for this team is incredible. Yeah. And last year we had, of course, an abbreviated spring season that ended in a national championship, <laughs> yeah. thankfully. Right. But um, you know, a lot of very experienced rowers in that first varsity eight last year. This year, a lot of newcomers. What's that dynamic been like? Right. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely such a different year altogether. And thinking about last year and how grateful we were to even have that mini season um, I think definitely helped this year a lot to be able to get on that water and have that experience with the that eight was so incredible um, but this year we're really kind of taking what we learned from the past and the past people and athletes that have been here then also realizing you know this group can do something also just so special and and take what we've learned but then also just be a new boat new team all together um, and I think Having a lot of the boat we were talking, even in San Diego this year, there was four people in our boat, including Coxon, that had never raced before. <laughs> um, and I think with that comes extreme excitement and almost a new fire that I think is a incredible dynamic to have going into this season because we have people that are just so excited to finally be out there. Being in San Diego, we were thinking about how um, – we've waited years for this and and so it's really exciting and again not to discount how incredible that mini season was but only some of the team could be there so having this new fire a bunch of even new first years and sophomores who are just ready to go and even a lot of juniors who haven't raced I think brings a new energy that everyone is ready to go are there any um quote-unquote novices like you were when you were a first year that you can now kind of mentor yes definitely have incredible novices um and it's so exciting to see them they're thriving um and i think both skill-wise with rowing and they're just such incredible people to have on the team and it is really fun to think about wow like you guys are going to do so amazing and to think um how incredible this program is to allow people to just start rowing here is something I've been extremely grateful for. Reflecting back on my last four years, I, I can't imagine not being on the team. So to have the coaches just let us grow and enjoy the sport, it's so exciting to see. We have a handful of, of novices who are getting to experience the same thing. So I'm excited for them. Great. And what did it mean to you to be named an All-American last spring? Yeah, that was, I'm very honored for that. Um, I think the first thing kind of that comes to mind immediately is just how um, with rowing, it's it's such an in, such a team-based sport yeah. that I think um, I'm so honored for that award. But I just think of all those people also that the award goes to as well. Of I would definitely not be here without any of both past people I rode with, current team members. Um, 
And I just think of team members I've rode with, like physically in the boat, but not even just who sat in front and behind me, but warm-ups, social gatherings, everything that this team has built is I very honored for the award and definitely thank everybody because I think it's it's definitely deeper than just a single rower award. Great. And then obviously um, this past weekend, San Diego, so nice and warm, I'm sure. And then yeah. uh, Division One opponents, right. right? I mean, West Coast teams, teams you probably haven't seen um, in a while, if at all. Uh, what was that experience like? It was incredible. It was such an incredible trip. And I can't thank the coaches enough for giving us that opportunity because I think one, it was great to be um, at a regatta that big again. And um, a lot of the team were reflecting like, wow, two years ago we were sent home and now we get to be in this in this big setting. Um, to see so many athletes spanning from, there was even some high school athletes there and then all the way to division one athletes. It was really cool to be surrounded in that environment. Um, and then to be able to race against that competition, I think was gave us so much um even just having two races now under our belt before our first weekend is incredible we learned a lot from our first race um and second race um but it was cool to be um I think personally when I was thinking back on the races having the mental ability to stand to sit on that start line knowing that these teams are really fast and to Fully just be like, we're with them. We got this. Um, we, we're going to go as hard as we possibly can. Um, I think is a really important skill, even going into this spring, just being like, we can race with anyone. We we got this. Um, we're going to race how we know how to race. Um, and I think that we gained a lot from, from that experience. Certainly. And then what do you have upcoming this week? I believe Boston University for you? Yes. Yeah. Yep. We got Boston and then BU yep. um, and then Simmons the next day. Okay. And so you've seen these teams before, I think, probably, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it is definitely very interesting without um, – so we haven't – last time I raced them would have been my – I was a freshman. Yeah, yeah. Um, so definitely a lot has, has changed. I think um, we – I think BU Saturday. So BU will be a great, great race for us, and same with Simmons. So it'll be – and it's a, t- a dual race. So this weekend we were racing um, seven to eight boats across – and this weekend we'll just have that one. Boat. Right. So that'll be a, a cool thing for us as well, just to focus on that one team. Yeah, one on one basically, right? Right. I mean, what what for you as a rower does that change much? When it's one on one versus when it's like eight. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I think it's not a huge difference mm-hmm. in the way that we race, um, because a lot of it is, especially with our team, we try to think of having this race plan and implementing it the same, no matter who's around. Um, and I think what's so great about that strategy is even this weekend going against teams that are you know we have no idea what they're bringing just having that race plan having our internal focus um but it is interesting to have when you're in a lane with four other boats on either side there's a lot more commotion um (laughs) and a lot more kind of moving parts around you versus when we're against one team um and the way that you know the coxswain might call it is different because if you have one boat next to you um, she's only focusing on that boat. Um, so that's different. Yeah. But our race plan stays the same. We try to stay internal. Uh, your coxswain for the 1V is Lucy Delco, right? Yes. Tell us about her. Oh, she's incredible. Um, she has been remarkable, and I think she's really taken her role and um, ran with it, especially, you know, we were talking to her a lot in San Diego, how this that was her first 2K race in 
since high school. Um, yeah. And she had such a big role, and she just went with confidence. And um, one thing that's interesting is when, when you line up to the start line, you have to kind of put your boat right in a spot so someone can grab you and, and make sure you're lined up. And there's a lot going on, and she made everyone in the boat feel so calm. Like, we knew Lucy had us, and I think that that is an incredible skill to have. Um, and then as we were rowing, she just does such a phenomenal job at getting us going and keeping us calm and implementing the race plan, which is incredible, especially as a sophomore who's just jumping into this position. So a lot of applause to Lucy. She's doing incredible. Great. And I, and I was talking to Espen Wheeler on the men's side. Um, their 2V and their 3V had some unfortunate luck with some equipment stuff. Pretty smooth for the women, or how did that yes. go? Yeah. yeah. Fortunately, I know. <laughs> Too bad for them. They they really rolled with that. But the women's 2V and 3V had incredible weekends as well. Mm. They went – it was so great to watch them. It was so strong. Um, fortunately, all smooth. So they had – incredible races as well and, and it was so great to see um especially to the 3v um you know last spring with our mini season we could travel with the one and two v um and it's so great to be able to have the 3v racing again and hopefully this weekend too even mm. even more boats and everyone's going out strong everyone's looking strong so it's it's going to be a great season terrific and then um oh rentals renting boats yeah. that kind of new for you probably right definitely yeah yeah, yeah it was um it is incredible, too, and how I, I was kind of joking with some of my teammates because since it started um, rowing at Bates, I've only used Bates equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's quite interesting how we our team was talking a lot about the oars. The oars felt quite different, mm. um, and I think it makes you really realize how you get so used to the fine details of rowing. Um, I think the oars we were using, Coach was explaining, was a little bit, they were a little bit longer, mm. um, which can affect things such as stroke rate, um, because if you try to go at a, at a higher stroke rate, if they're longer, it's going to take a bit to get them back. Um, even the surface area, the blades were different, which feels feels a bit different. Um, so we were, we're excited to get back to our equipment, but it was, it was pretty neat to feel... Um, feel the difference because it really makes you appreciate the boats here um and also coach always has different he does so well with like adjusting the boats to to each athlete because we're all built so differently um so we were kind of adjusting some of those things on the fly so in that way it was a great practice too to to learn how to make sure all the equipment was set before going. Certainly. And then one more week, it sounds like, on the ERG machines, then hopefully next week on the water. Yes, yeah. that's the hope. <laughs> that's the hope. Knock on wood. Yeah. Yeah, so very lucky we got, you know, the San Diego trip to get even more water time yeah. before our first race because we often go right into that first race without, except Florida, which we're so lucky to go to Florida mm-hmm. as well. Um, but usually those first few races are – our first ones on the water, so it's nice to get a little taste in San Diego. Yeah, because I often you mentioned Florida because the swimming team uh, very famously has a has a uh, training trip to Florida, but so does the rowing teams yeah. most years when we don't have COVID, right? right? What's the trip to Florida like for rowing? Yeah, so Florida is also such an incredible trip. Um, so Florida is kind of our training trip. So yeah. we do two a days on the water, um, lots and lots of water time, getting a lot of meters. Um, and it's also just such a great bonding time for the team because we're all, you know, staying in the hotel together, wake up, go to practice, come back, practice again. Um, and so that trip is just such a great time to just hit the ground running from whatever we trained in the winter on the ergs or lifting and applying it to finally the water. Um, and then having San Diego as the additional, like, 
such a special trip this year was kind of taking, I think, I picture Florida as kind of our training, our fitness, our learning, our technique back. And San Diego was kind of like applying it because it was more focused on um, competition in the races. Great. Well, any other thoughts you want to share about the upcoming season, basically, that we haven't got to talk about? Yeah, I think just how excited I am. Excited. Um, this team is something special, so I think it, we're ready to go. We're ready to have the fire under our feet that we've been waiting for for the last few years and have the biggest thing is having the whole team back together again, and I'm excited for it because it's a special team. Sounds great, Lily. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. The track and field teams get the outdoor season underway this Saturday when the Bobcats host Bowden, Colby, and Southern Maine at Russell Street Track and Field at noon. Bates has a proud legacy in the throws, and this year the Bobcats have a new throws coach in Danny Kalina. Kalina talks to us about what he's done and plans to do at the helm of the throws program. I started track and field in, I would say, my sophomore year of high school, where I started where I went to high school in Maine. I'm originally from Boston, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. and went to Maine in high school. And I played baseball first, then stopped playing and started doing tracks. I needed to do something in the spring, stay out of trouble, right? <laughs> so um, from there, I went ahead and the coach said, you used to play baseball, why don't you throw the javelin? And I said, oh, I don't know about throwing the javelin. But then I said, you know what, why don't give it a try? It went really well, and it just stuck for me from there. So you started with the javelin. I started with the javelin. Okay. Yes. And then how did you get into coaching kind of maybe after you graduated from college and whatnot? Oh, yeah. So coaching just came right after I I finished up at Keene State College. Mm -hmm. Had one more year of college because I jumped around from a college here and there and had to get a few more credits to graduate. And I said, might as well help out the throw squad. So I was able to help out some good throwers that were still at Keene State College and the hammer, weight, shot, disc, all the events. So I got some very good experience with that with 63-meter 63 hammer thrower, 67-meter javelin thrower at a D3 level. Mm. And I had some good coaches that I was able to use as mentors. And then from there, I just uh, hit the ground running. From Keene State College, I moved out to D.C., and I was at Johns Hopkins University. Mm. So I was there for three years, led the throws program there, have found some good success. And then but I was private coach at the same time, and I told myself, you know what? Should I stick with Johns Hopkins or should I do the private coaching and, and take a leap of faith? So I did one full year of private coaching. I had my own business, mm. learned a lot about that, all age levels and so forth, track and field, speed training, speed and agility. And then from there, I said, you know, I miss coaching a team. Mm. I miss coaching a team. So I reached out to some coaches and I was able to um, get to Bates and go from there. Yeah. Well, um, coming back to the state you went to high school and that must have been a big attraction, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, I went to high school in Mount Air High School. Mm-hmm. Yep. I had a good track program there, Yeah. as well as I was able to get to know, you know, a lot of different events, great coaches, and excel in the javelin, which which brought me into uh, the collegiate level of throwing, which was nice. So I'm curious, it sounds like you, did you only throw the javelin kind of when you were competing, or did you throw other, like, events? Did you do weight throw or, or a hammer or anything like that? Or? I was predominantly a javelin thrower okay, okay. as well, but I, I did dabble in the other events as uh-huh. well, and the... Shot put, hammer throw, a little bit of disc as well. But we had such a deep team at Keene State College, they didn't really need me at the <laughs> javelin throw. They said, you know what, let's just stick with you in the javelin for now because that's where, where I made it. That was my moneymaker for sure. Sure. So when you yeah. got into coaching, most of your experience competing was javelin. How did you kind of learn how to coach maybe some events you weren't as familiar with, even though you maybe dabbled in them? That's, that's great. So I, I listened intently to John Napolitano, who's a throws coach at UMass Amherst. So mm. I, my first year, I, right out of college, I was able to take control of some drills for 
the hammer shot disc weight throw that he guided as well. So I was got obsessed with the other events as well, almost to a point where I forgot to coach Javelin, right? <laughs> Don't tell my throws. Right, but, right, but, right. Uh, but it was to that point where I was just really obsessed with every event and just drilled myself, threw it myself, and just had some great experience in, in college to be able to uh, coach them as well. So I had mentors like John Napolitano, um, Darcy Wilson at Harvard right now. She mm. was very good. And then when I was at Johns Hopkins University, there was a coach who's now at Illinois State who did a very good job with his hammer throwers is specific, so I was able to get some good mentorship from him and just stay on it year after year, being pretty obsessed with it. Terrific, terrific. Yeah, yeah so this is your first year, obviously, at Bates. And so we yeah. had the indoor season. A lot of these throwers don't have as much experience maybe as Bates throwers have in the past because of the pandemic, right? We've barely had a season the last couple of years. So what was it like coming in here and teaching some of the younger guys um, and, and women as well uh, what they should be doing out there to you know get PRs each week, right? Yes, yes. It was it was a shock to the system for them at first, I'm sure, because um, Al Farashidian did a great job, right? He was a great throws coach. But then here's a new coach after twenty over 20 years, 26 right. years of throwing. So it was a shock to the system to see a new coach as well. But then from there, getting in a routine that I said, in order for to be successful, I want us to have one-on-ones and schedule at least three times a week where we meet individually one-on-one, where really the learning happens as well. We could be more technical, get to know each other, understand certain cues and so forth. Uh, then in the group sessions, it's more so let's throw, next person give a couple cues, let's throw again. And then it's more, let's say, let's get a couple throws, next person, I just give a couple points here and there as well. But the one-on-ones is where we're really able to get to know each other and really just get technical as well. So I told them, you know, compared from last year, I know it was tough quarters being able to find time, but this year, let's take a full advantage of the situation. Let's take advantage of what we have and the time we have together. So I was able to reach out to every single one of my throwers, even the multis, have one-on-ones. I told them what we were going to do. And then at the group practices, they were able to build on it. And for them, I believe that They've been responding well to it. They enjoy those the one-on-ones individual session, and we're able to have a strong dialogue in addition to technical work. Great. And then, um, you know, uh, Jacob Goff, guy, yes. I believe, uh, New England, uh, what was the Walt Slavinsky, right, thrower of the yes, meet? Yes, he did. Uh, at, yes, at he New did. England. What did that mean to you to see him achieve that? Oh, it was incredible because I, I spoke to him before. You know, he had some back problems. Mm-hmm. He actually broke his had to have back surgery. Oh, he wow. broke his back just before he got into Bates College. So what an incredible accomplishment for right. him to be able to go into a demanding strength and conditioning program that I built for them. He's done everything everyone else is doing and be able to perform as well and stay consistent with it. Yes, of course, there were little pains here and there through the back surgery and things that come up that he may be overcompensating and so forth and his body feels certain things and we just have that dialogue and I say you know what if you feel any kind of pain we can adjust we're either throwing the shot putt let's do some movements with the med ball and so forth and he responded extremely well he's a very much a technician as well so he wants everything to look perfect and if it doesn't uh, he's, he says oh man that was that was a tough throw but I tell Jacob hey let's just keep working through it and keep working these movements and stay consistent with what our goal is and he was right on board and found some great success and now we're outdoors throwing hammer and disc as well. In addition to that, and he's doing a great job as well, along with all my other throwers. Yeah, terrific. Yeah, we have a pretty uh, deep bench of throwers, if you will, right? A lot of guys who were scoring a lot of points, uh, it seemed like, this year for Bates and Meats, weren't they? Yes, they were. <laughs> yes, they were, which I'm very proud of them. Yeah. Right? They they were able They showed up to every practice. It was demanding because, as we may know, Bates College is academic, rigorous school. It's, very, it's known for the academics. They do very well with it. So for them to be able to balance academics, one-on-ones, group practices, as well as 
strength and conditioning and going in and lifting as well, which is a credible accomplishment for all of them. So they they adapted well and they're still doing it as well. And we're, we're seeing some big progress going into the outdoor season. Now, I understand you're not just coaching throws. You're also um, helping out with the strength and conditioning program in general at Bates. Is that right? That's correct. Okay, that's so correct. tell me about that role for you. Yeah, so I'm more of a floater right yeah. now. So I can't really take control of a whole team. Mm. But I'll pick the hours that I'm available. And I'm more available in the fall. Mm. And it's right. just a great opportunity to be able to get to know the whole athletic, athletic department and the teams. It's wonderful. You never know if, if – they're able to, they could potentially throw outdoors or indoors, you know, get to know a couple of athletes. I have one multi-athlete who plays volleyball and she does a great job. Her name's Alma Mackick and she right. does a great job in throwing as well. So you never know what kind of relationships you can build, but it's, it's, it's a fun time being get to know new teams, seeing the athletes on campus, checking out a couple games and seeing their success as well. It's a little bit of more of a variety as a, as a coach as well to be able to do that and be a part of the whole athletic department. Excellent. And obviously, you know, being a throws coach and having a throwing background, I mean, strength and conditioning is that's that's what it's kind of all about, right? I mean, there's a lot of technique involved, but also mm-hmm. you've got you have to be strong, right? I mean. Oh, you have to be. You have to be. Yeah. Right. So it's it's one of those things that yes, technique is very important, yeah. right? Technique does build throwers mm-hmm. and it does get the implement out there, but technique in conjunction with strength, proper strength training yeah. builds champions, right? Right. So when we were able to put that together, that's when we really see really strong progress all right because only you could go really far with technique but be able to become a little bit stronger all right especially in aspects of if there's things that we need to strengthen in order to hit certain positions all right then i can have that dialogue with them because sometimes there's some exercises that may be different like my javelin throwers have different strength program than let's say the rest of my throwers my hammer shot disc because it's just totally different type of body type event and right. demands as well so we have that dialogue and we talk and then they're able to bring both together and uh, see some uh, big things going on from there. So who do we have throwing javelin this upcoming weekend, obviously? Because I'm, I'm familiar with the throwers in the indoor season, yep, but obviously yep. this is a whole new event for outdoors. So who we got? All right. So <laughs> javelin actually has been growing, okay. right? So yeah. uh, we have Liam Birdie who does all four events, yeah. right? As we know, he's a renaissance man. Yes. He does a great job. So we're, we're looking towards qualifying to nationals for as many events as possible, right? Sure. His his uh, bread and butter, let's say, is the discus and hammer, but he does a very good job with the javelin too, and he's building some steam. Mm. Got a new, got a new thrower, just javelin. He's never thrown javelin in his life, so he reached out to me. He said, "I used to play baseball. I feel like I have a strong arm." I go and meet him in person. Six foot five, long arm, strong. And I said, "Okay, I could work with that." Right. All right. So then we met up, and I'm just teaching him the movements and so forth. Of course, he's got. I see his arms better than mine's ever been. Right. And so um, he's got the potential on that. So we're just working technique, but I'm gonna throw him right in that meet. So and who's that? His name is Luke Urbari. Okay. Yeah, Luke Urbari, baseball player. Then we have Hunter Klingensmith, football player, sure. and just. Right after football, took a week off, and now he's diving right into javelin throwing. He's also a sprinter as well, but we're focusing more on javelin, and um, he's doing well too. We did a lot of indoor training as well, which he wasn't used to last year. Just put tennis balls on each side of the javelin, throw against the curtain, approved by Scott Lehman. All right, he approved it. <laughs> right. All right, so that was important. Yeah. And then we're able to get some good training and get some run-ups and full throws. We won't see the distance, how far it goes, but similar to how we do indoor training with discus and hammer throwing against a curtain and so forth so he's been able to do that for the last two months and he's been doing well also i got alma mackick on the women's side doing all four events also as well um she's responding really well to the javelin throw 
which is good. It's that whole volleyball over over the top volleyball yeah. stuff. She's able to snap it around with the with the javelin as well, which was really fun to see as well. And um, we've been working hammer all year, all year round, which she's responding well to. But at the javelin throw, she's gonna um, get that going. I got two female javelin throwers, Lily Simmons, Aaron Halen. It's their first year. That's right. Okay. As well, so they're learning the full run up because I like to get them going right away and then maybe step back and say, okay, how can we fine tune this? Because I want them to get the rhythm of throwing. So they're going to go out to the meet and, and throw as well. And and then Abby Otterbein, who's a yeah, multi, right. she doesn't have a lot of experience with javelin throwing, but she's strong, explosive, and she had a couple indoor throws that was looking pretty good. Great. So, yeah, I got I got a nice little javelin <laughs> crew, but it grew. When I first got here, I had maybe two javelin throwers. Then it grew to six. Excellent. Yep. Well, I'm curious. You mentioned a couple of those javelin throwers are brand new to the event. Yes. So from a coaching perspective, how does that change things, you know, when you're working with someone who has more experience, you know, who maybe has been coached previously by someone else yep. versus someone who is a clean slate, right? <laughs> yes, yes. It's definitely – I like to make sure I progress them in the right way, yeah. but also go get them into whole movements as soon as possible so I can make sure I could diagnose for the next practice what they need to ha do for drills and techn technical aspects. Because sometimes some throws, even if they're new, they'll have a special knack for being able to hit certain positions that may not need to be worked on for drills since we have a limited amount of season, right? So I like to get them going in the whole movements as soon as possible. And then we just move from there. I want to make sure that they're healthy. They don't hurt their elbows. So they're technically, they're able to throw over the top of their shoulder as mm. opposed to sidearm baseball throws, right. which is Tommy John surgery central, right? We yeah. don't want that, right? So we want to make sure they're able, they're healthy. And it's more of a low volume at first because javelin throwing does, does put a wear and tear on the body, right? So we want to make sure that we don't throw as high volume and always have some maximal throws in the javelin and just work more on positions low volume throws, lower intensity, so they stay healthy. Um, and compared to hammer throwing, we could throw that every day. Sure, okay, right. right we could right. throw a hammer every day. Javelin throwers can throw twice a week, under 20 throws. The third day is more technical. And the other days is more so strength training, med ball throws, specific strength type movements, which is a lot of fun and helps them too and keeps them healthy and ready to throw and their arm nice and fresh. Awesome. So what are you most looking forward to in general, kind of for the first outdoor meet of the year that Bates gets to host here coming up this oh, weekend? My goodness, it's exciting. A lot of energy yeah. right now because they've been waiting for it since last year to be able to get a good meet like that, right? right? It's the start of the season. One funny thing is I just spoke to Lee and Bernie about this. Their first outdoor meet was April 24th. That's a whole different yeah. type of weather, right? So we got we to gotta get used to throwing outside when it's this Saturday when it's going to be 40 degrees or maybe a little bit less with the wind, right? Mm -hmm. So I got them out there. They suffered a little bit, but they did. And I was like, this is how we feel. This might happen on Saturday as well. But what we're excited about is, is hitting some big PRs because we, we took a deload week, a week off, but now they're fresh, ready to go. You know, they're in great moods. Love it, right? And we are looking to, for big PRs in the hammer and disc, and we're excited about it just because that we weren't able to throw that indoors, Right. Right. And some some of the throwers really are discus hammer specialists. Right. So they've been waiting for that all season long. So aside from the javelin throwers who weren't able to throw really at all. Right. So we're looking forward to hitting some good PRs and, and getting towards towards or hitting nationals marks or getting towards it earlier than later. Mm. Right. This was a transition where I got to know all the athletes. We we're working some things together and we did very well for the indoor season. But our hearts our hearts set on getting that mark earlier than later. 
Awesome. Well, looking forward to the outdoor season starting this Saturday in the Bates Quad Meet. Danny Kalina, Thoreau's coach here at Bates, thanks so much. All right. Thank you so much. Don't forget, you can find the complete schedule and results for every Bates Athletics varsity team by visiting GoBatesBobcats.com or by downloading the Bates Bobcats mobile app. This week, the baseball and softball teams open NASCAC play at Trinity, and the lacrosse teams try to get back on the winning track against Williams. Plus, the tennis teams return to NESCAC play at Connecticut College and Trinity. We'll recap all the highlights next time on the Bates Bobcast.